right on time. Perfect. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Mark Ebner. His last name is spelled E-B-N-E-R. He's just published an excellent book. I've read through it twice. Really fascinating. Title of it is Off the Deep End, Jerry and Becky Falwell and the Collapse of an Evangelical Dynasty. I highly recommend this book. He wrote it with somebody who is right there in the midst of everything. His name is Giancarlo Granda. G-R-A-N-D-A. So I highly recommend this book. Uh, this is not Mr. Ebner's first book. He's read other things. I actually remember reading an article he had written in Spy Magazine back in the 80s, early 90s. So uh, I'm really glad to actually have him on my show 30 years later. But uh, he's a journalist and the New York Times bestselling author who has covered all aspects of celebrity and crime culture for Spy, Rolling Stone, Maxim Details, Los Los Angeles Magazine, Premier, Salon, Spin, Radar, The Daily Beast, Gawker, Boing Boing, Esquire, and New Times. Among his many William, very... Uh, yeah. uh, let me just interrupt. Are you trying to say I can't hold down a job? <laughs> you hold down many jobs. <laughs> You're fortunate. You work for all of them. You're not stuck in one place, right? Yeah, but uh, he's true. covered Scientology, Bill Cosby's rape accusations, pit bull fighting, Ku Klux Klan. Celebrity stalkers, drug kingpins, missing porn stars, sports groupies, college suicides, and hepatitis C. So you've been in many places on many topics. But uh, thanks for coming on the show. And for people who may not have heard your name, can you? I mean, you have a very uh, multifaceted career. Can you talk about that and what led you up to putting together this book off the deep end? Well, sure. I uh, I guess, uh, I, first of all, I knew I was going to be a journalist at six years old. You know, that's my short story and I'm sticking to it. So uh, by the time I got out of college and I started getting my feet wet, I started in 1985 with a little back page article in uh, Spin Magazine. You remember under Bob Guccione, it was a rock and pop culture magazine uh, that he founded back in the 80s, I guess. And I was fascinated with actors and actors actors and actresses in Hollywood, I guess we use just actors now, uh, who made a living out of having their characters killed in horror films. And so uh, that became a my first feature story, 25 cents a word. It was called Dying to Make a Living. And I haven't looked back since. Uh, like you said, Spy Magazine, I cut my teeth there. Uh, and, you know, my I uh, did a lot of entertainment journalism for many years and uh, it really over the years became apparent to me that uh, the Hollywood milieu was rich in crime stories. Uh, and as the internet started, you know, sucking the life out of my career as a, um, as a magazine journalist, you know, traveling on around the world on an expense account, uh, you know, being able to soak up the culture of a place that I was visiting before I, you know, zoned in on my, uh, uh, sources and whatnot, the whole, uh, you know, everything I learned on the job sort of got uh, sucked away by the internet. This isn't sour grapes. You know, I still kept some relationships to this day with rollingstone.com, dailybeast.com. And I do, I'm able to do some uh, good work on occasion there, but it shouldn't be on occasion. You know, it should be day in, day out. So books was the logical place for me to turn, nonfiction realm. 
uh, out of the gate, I got lucky. You know, I did something that'll make your father proud. I had a New York Times bestseller with Andrew Breitbart, and uh, that was Hollywood Interrupted. And it was just a case of Andrew and I being on opposite ends of uh, the political spectrum, if you will, meeting on the same page with our mutual loathing uh, for Hollywood and celebrities in other words you know you hear this a lot you know now coming from the, certainly coming from the right you know we were saying this back in 2004 when we were putting hollywood interrupted to get together what we were saying was please celebrities don't tell us who to pray to or who to vote for and then we're good we'll go see your movies um that was our attitude and uh off that i guess uh uh, crime, uh, true crime, uh, that became my milieu. And, uh, here I am, I think, uh, eight bylined collaborations, uh, and 10 books altogether. And, uh, I'm just wondering what next after off the deep end. So how did I get there? Billy Corbin, who was, uh, simultaneously making a documentary called God forbid, calls me up and he says, Ebner, I got the pool boy. I didn't know what he was talking about, but uh, he made it, uh, you know, he explained it a little bit to me. You know, he said, this is this kid who was working as a pool attendant at the Fountain Blue Hotel who got into a, a crazy three-way uh, adventure uh, with Jerry and Becky Fowell. So, of course, I knew uh, Jerry and Becky Falwell's names, uh, as I knew, you know, uh, a little bit about the family uh, history in terms of their uh, influence and, uh, you know, recognition within the, uh, you know, the top end of the evangelical community. So I was like, yeah, I want to talk to this guy. Uh, he put me on the phone, Billy Corbin, the director of God Forbid, put me on the phone with Giancarlo and, uh, Am I allowed to drop an F-bomb here if I'm quoting yeah, myself, sure. William? Sure. I just wanted to make sure. Um, the first thing I said to Giancarlo after I had been briefed on him was, whoa, <laughs> the Falwells picked the wrong pool boy to fuck with. And he kind of laughed. And I knew right then and there he had a sense of humor about himself. Uh, he had already you know, been through the media mill. Uh, you know, when news, when he, when he disseminated news of his affair to the mainstream media, as it were, but it was readily apparent that he had a bigger story to tell. And I'm just so glad I be, was able to take that ride with him. Right. And he kind of didn't like that, that, that term that people use isn't really that fair. He was working at the Fontainebleau. That's a good job. Like, for oh, the heck young... yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, the, the way I look at it is that's, you know, for a kid, uh, a rather, you know, John Carlo, there's a photo of him in the book. He's a good looking guy. There's no denying that he's physically fit. Um, he's well-spoken. He is pol polite to a fault. You know, in other words, I'm the guy who would be dropping the F-bomb. Certainly not John Carlo Granda. You know, uh, his, he's from a lovely middle class family in Miami. Right. And, uh, you know, he was a, a, a little bit inter, introverted. He kind of uh, uh, sort of 
closed in on himself. It was easy for him to, uh, you know, creatures of the internet as people in his age group are, I don't even know what generation we're not in now. Would that put him in like being 32? Would that be generation Z or is he part of X? I don't even know. What do you think? He's definitely an internet. He's a creature of the internet for sure. Because of sure. his internet uh, gaming addiction, right? Exactly. Like and he was he was deep into it. He spent more than enough time in his bedroom uh, immersed in video gaming. And yet at the same time, uh, he had uh, he was intelligent. He was uh, trying to put himself through school at the community college level, Dade Community College at the time. And he had a uh, coincidental to the whole story. William, he had an interest in real estate development. That just happened to be something that he, and he was a Donald Trump fan. You know, he had a dog-eared copy of Art of the Deal. You know, young guy, uh, you know, I mean, where do you turn? Where do you, where do guys his age go? They hear Joe Rogan, you know, they, they, they see, you know, uh, real estate barons somehow succeeding at a populist popular level uh in you know mainstream america i mean this is the world he walked into in the light of day but where the light was brightest was poolside at the fountain blue hotel he got a good gig he'd been working in retail for minimum wage that wasn't cut cutting it it took you know i mean i don't want to paint him as arrogant but at a certain point he's telling a retailer who how they should do uh, their business and he had to move on and a friend said hey you, there's always openings here and he went there and he got hired on the spot and that is a dream job what happened it's a, well it's a good yeah, money-making job but it's a great networking job too because you get to see all those people the famous people how they live how they made uh-huh. their money how they operate right it's kind of like 100 percent. and you are uh, you know you're the guy i mean you're not just putting uh you're directing traffic poolside, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, Kanye West and over here and the Kardashians on that daybed over there. You know the rank and file of the people that come. You know what they expect. You learn a lot about them and their character and to a, uh, a finely honed ear that Giancarlo Granda had you know, he would pick up a lot about how they do business as well. And let's face it, the most beautiful women in the world, in his estimation, are around that pool. And from all over South you, South America, all these exotic like uh, indeed, and some like of them, and they're just—I mean, it's just amazing. And one day, you know, he's just doing his chores, and he fear he feels these uh, eyeballs. Uh, searing into the back of his neck and he turns around and here's this uh, shall I say fit middle-aged woman uh, in a fluorescent green bikini beckoning beckoning him to come over to her uh, chaise lounge or whatever she was sitting on at the time on her daybed and you know he's he comes by he flashes a smile back at her and you ne- next thing you know, he's having his Mrs. Robinson moment in a hotel room with her husband watching uh, what was going down. I mean, we can we I can take you step through step, 
by what happened, but I said what I punctuated there, William, was a Mrs. Robinson moment. You want to bring it up to speed a little bit, more like a Stifler's mom moment. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's every young, feral buck's dream, uh, I would say, uh, you know, to be approached uh, by a, uh, you know, for lack of a better acronym, MILF, and, you know, maybe have a one-off, maybe learn something, maybe have a great experience, you know, whatever. He didn't know what was happening. He hadn't even had a proper girlfriend yet in his life. Right. And you know what it reminded me of is uh, Ghislaine Maxwell running into Virginia Giuffre at Mar-a-Lago. Like this one meeting turned into a decade of some, you know, of kind of a real saga. Like that's where it all started yeah. off was them meeting him. Right. And then she she was texting him all the time. Right. That's kind of how. It, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, I mean, uh, you usually hear uh, uh, women victims, you know, uh, uh, not tossing around, but with uh, validation talking about grooming uh, the same thing went for John Carlo and it's embarrassing for, you know, him to, you know, understand that he was groomed by this couple and, uh, you know, and, and, and every, uh, every twist and turn in their time together, uh, you know, the stakes against John Carlo were raised to the point where now that we're looking out the other side of it, he finishes this book, he does this documentary, he pours his life out for the world to see, and he never wanted that. If he had his druthers, John Carlo, I'm not going to speak for him, but I, I got to know him very well throughout this process. John Carlo wouldn't have anything to do with any of this. John Carlo would be, uh, you know, real uh, uh, finding the next great city to develop real estate in. Is it Raleigh, North Carolina? Where is it? He'd be, you know, he'd be doing what he could do best. For God's sakes, the kid managed through all of this to get himself a master's degree in real estate and finance uh, from Georgetown University. Uh, you know, and this is all to his credit because on the other side of that, uh, I, you know, I can't speak about Giancarlo's mental health, but I will say this. They did a number on him, as you can well imagine. And after all was said and done, and he's, his book is on the page and it's about to be released and Harper Collins is going on strike and, you know, uh, Barnes and Noble is misplacing the book. I mean, this took a toll on him. And I'm happy to say, uh, speaking for him, that uh, he's back in action so that to the extent that we can finish our unfinished business with the Falwells. Um because as you read in the book, you know, I, I mean, we are just uh, doing everything we can uh, to uh, demand or, you know, request review and investigations of, uh, you know, what remains of Falwell's legacy, which is the largest evangelical university uh, likely in the world. Right. And, and Giancarlo, he didn't know what he was getting into. He knew that they had money. I think they were paying a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks a night at the yeah. Fontainebleau. But he didn't see the network of how big Liberty was. And this is the son. So 
this is Jerry Falwell Jr. Right. His dad had passed away 2007. But, I mean, he was born into this real, this power thing. He was actually a good businessman, too, though, wasn't he? Wasn't, sure he was. Uh, uh, there's no question that, uh, uh, you know, and this, uh, you know, this is p- part of the grooming that went on that, that uh, in many ways, like I had mentioned with uh, Giancarlo's, what, what will amount to be is a fleeting admiration. He's not. He does not feel that way anymore about Donald Trump. But uh, the same went for, what you know, the more he learned about Jerry Falwell, it was like, this is kismet. You know, I mean, look, uh, uh, you know, he's going to help me. And, you know, the help started to realize itself, but at somewhat of a cost. Because, honestly, Giancarlo, as smart as he is, uh, he didn't really understand that he was getting into a cuckold situation with the Falwells, you know, uh, you know, which is uh, I, I'm sure I certainly you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I w- respect your listenership. They probably know what I'm talking about. But at the end, but the bottom line is Jerry Falwell liked to watch. And I, to, you know, I have to push it a little bit more uh, graphically. Uh, he also engaged as what's known as, and I've spent more time than I care to count on, on learning about cuckold theory in these last couple of years. Um, but uh, Jerry Falwell also functioned as what's called a cleanup cuck. So in other words, he'd watch John Carlo have sex with his wife and then uh, to just use common parlance, just dive in for sloppy seconds i guess that's the only way he could have sex with his wife at that time and you know i don't say this to kink shame because this none of this is about the sex you know as you can see you read the book i mean uh if you don't understand that this is about the hypocrisy and the corruption at the highest levels uh then i didn't do my job I did. I did see that. It's also abuse. They abused him and manipulated him. So they knew what his interests were. I'm into real estate. Oh, let's go get a house in Miami. I'll do an investment. And that's what he had already done. So they're tying him to them. And the power dynamic, I mean, he's an adult. Shackling them to him. Yes. Yeah, that's a better word. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah. but you're right. I mean, can you expand on that? Because like he, it's like it's almost like he wanted to get away. He had girlfriends in the interim moments. But he kept yeah, getting I could pick back any there. scenario. I could any scenario that's in this book. I can say, uh, okay. Um, at a certain point, you know, Giancarlo uh, wanted to date someone his own age. You know, he met he he met girlfriend number two, or no, uh, as we call her, and he's you know he's falling for her, and he you know he's seeing that there are possibilities for him to have a normal relationship. So at first, the 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 uh, the groomers, Jerry and Becky, you know, encourage this, but very gently at first remind him uh, that someone needs to be attended to, and that would be Becky Falwell. And, you know, and, and we have all the text messages. We have all the phone conversations. We have everything to back this up. And you and you can see it. It's textbook grooming. And it is uh, and they'd say something like, well, 
you know, uh, Jer Jerry would text him something like, well, you know, uh, uh, somebody, Becky is getting anxious and blah, blah, blah. And then they, he'd pass the torch to Becky to, to, you know, to drive this home. And Becky would text him, oh, my gosh. I'm looking at these videos of us making love and boy, are you the best, you know, and that kind of stuff. So in other words, that could be that someone could hear that and that would sound like, Oh, you know, she's pumping him up, but no, she's scaring the shit out of him. He's like videos. What videos? He knows that uh, he's not stupid. He knows that uh, uh, Jerry was recording some of their encounters. Cause he always had their, uh, uh, his phone, iPhone handy while he was being playing the cuck in the corner, so to speak, at whatever venue they were at. Uh, but videos, you know, that is what's coming down. And it, it you know, and he's, he's always catching up to the acknowledgement of what was really going on to the point where he could put it on paper in the book. But what they were doing is they were threatening him, you know videos right. what videos it's like blackmail it's blackmail yeah. what if he sent that to they sent it to his parents or something like that so he's oh, terrified of all that stuff coming out right and That's i mean there's a part of the story that i don't think people know is that there was an additional lawsuit from a business partner over that same material right you better pay me off or this is coming like that's a part of the story story that's very scary is that oh yeah this that wasn't stuff, this yeah. this this was not their first rodeo you know, this was uh, uh, a, a, a literally an operation that they uh, had been honing years before uh, they happened on, you know, their big kahuna prize in Giancarlo, you know. And um, uh, it, it's, you know, uh, I, I mean, we can take we can go step by step to his breaking point but it's important to realize that there was a breaking point and Giancarlo just had to take the kamikaze route and start telling the truth um, because uh, and you know I, I can tell you as the guy who investigated Scientology for Spy Magazine years ago I knew that I had to disclose a lot of uncomfortable things about myself at, in the first in the lead of my story you know, I'm an ex-drug addict. I've been arrested before, I think. I've been under psychiatric care. I owe the IRS $6,000. They're well aware of it. You know, and then it's like, okay, come on, Scientology. Take your best shot. And in many ways, you know, uh, Giancarlo didn't know that I had done that at the time. Um, but I'm very proud to see that, you know, he was able to, you know, uh, do that to some degree with himself, you know, admit his faults, admit when he was wrong, admit that he was embarrassed by his choices in a lot of this. But let's, let's not forget, you know, he was practically a kid when he met these two, you know, he had no experience in this world whatsoever. And then he's shaking hands with Donald Trump. At That's Liberty part of the University. grooming. That's probably part of the grooming. They probably spotted that he was a little wet behind the ears, oh, even yeah. though he was 20. Is that that? I think that's it. And there was also the other guy at the school. I forgot his name. Who was the trainer? 
something very similar happened. I don't know if that whole story. Yeah, I don't want to give that guy too much play because he's very litigious. And, uh, you know, he's going down. uh, Let's put it this way. With some real estate of his own, with some money in the bank and and some dark secrets to keep, in my opinion. But I know exactly who you're talking about. I Which have the one? same opinion as you do. <laughs> so yeah. it's, too, it's very similar to Giancarlo's life. But what's uh, the hypocrisy is that they were living this life away from Lynchburg, Virginia. But when they were back there, they were seen as these paragons of virtue and liberty is the top evangelical school. And they're with Trump. So you can see Giancarlo here with one of his... Uh, idols with the family here too but but i mean so that difference like he saw the opposite side but he also said in the book like some people would wink and nod at him like they knew the real story too right oh sure wasn't that much of a secret yeah well yeah i mean look i mean it's uh, sad i mean uh, the the falwell's children i believe they're all, all adults now uh i well i know the sons are you know, and uh, you were talking about uh, sort of uh, uh, prior bad sexual acts, if you will. Um, their own son, Trey, uh, and keep in mind that their progeny all works within the Liberty ecosystem. You know, they all have jobs there to one degree or another. Their son, Trey, I mean, this was a guy I, might, I would have loved to have met. You know, he seems like a pretty cool kid. He had a band called... Uh, uh, House of the Holy, you know, I think that's a Led Zeppelin uh, album title that they took for their Liberty Bass band. He had a friend, he, uh, the drummer in his band, who was also a student at Liberty, was on a sleepover at the Liberty at the Falwell Ranch, you know, 20, 30 miles outside of Liberty. Uh, 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 what's the town? Lynchburg proper. Good. Yeah, you outside know, of and- Lynchburg. It's called Good, Good Virginia, I believe. Good Virginia. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, uh, you know, jumped in, 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 into bed with Trey's friend, the drummer in his band. He didn't invite her there. Uh, and she started giving him unwanted and unrequested, uh, oral sex. And, you know, when you look into his account to that as done by, uh, a former Liberty student, Brandon Ambrosino at what was a Politico, you know, in the, rec- that kid, th- that kid's recounting of this, he too was using the words grooming. He too was using, you know, I mean, he was just, you know, he even said he felt like Monica Lewinsky. No guy wants to, you know, you, no young bro wants to have to say that, but they also can't deny the truth of their situations and that forces them to swallow uncomfortable truths about their own participation in it. And, you know, Giancarlo does it like a champ, you know, the story got bigger than he was, you know, and uh, you know, he's here to own it. That's for sure. And it involved Trump and also another kind of curious figure of uh, Cohen, his so-called fixer was involved in this whole story too. Can you yeah. talk about Yeah, Can you talk about it? <laughs> Well, I, I don't want to say too much about Cohen, okay, uh, no. but, and, but I will say this. And the reason why I don't want to is not because uh, I'm worried about Michael Cohen. I mean, you read our chapter on him, the real pool boy. You, you know what Giancarlo thinks of Michael Cohen. Uh, but let me just give you a few thoughts on this just to bring you to speed. I believe that Michael Cohen is still on the Falwell dime. Number one. Number two. I believe 
that the Falwells, and this is these are both these are scoops, take them as you will for you, William. Uh, that the Falwells have gone all in on a documentary project of their own. Number three, I fully expect Michael Cohen to take their side and be in their documentary. Now, what I told Giancarlo, Giancarlo and I don't care about any documentary, but we do know that a colleague of mine, a guy I've worked with through the years, we, you know, uh, uh, he's a respected journalist. Gabriel Sherman wrote a story for Vanity Fair, and it was kind of like a, just a, it wasn't so much of a love letter to the Falwells as it was for a, an apology, I think. Uh, kind of a, uh, just, you know, these are just, you know, the bumbling righteous gemstone prototypes, you know? And, and uh, you know, he heard their side of the story. And in it, Becky Falwell accused Giancarlo Granda of assaulting her the last time they had sex at their home, the Falwell Estate, uh, in Good Virginia. Now, that's th- that happened in real time as we're writing the book. And I'm like, Giancarlo, I, uh, you know, we know, we have the evidence to prove that no such sexual assault happened or could have happened. We've got it all. We have all the tape. We know every room that you had sex with Becky Falwell in, in their own home, including her children's bedrooms, even while uh, Giancarlo's own family members were there uh, staying on the ranch. You know, this is, you know, how careless, I mean, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're the ugly, careless, sloppy version of the Gatsby's down there. You know, it's almost, uh, uh, it, it, it just, I, I, you know, I, it, it, it wouldn't have surprised me had I been follow a fly on the wall to see what was going to happen with these people and how, how they would be exposed now about the sexual assault alle- uh, allegation. Well, uh, Megan stack, I believe it was from the New Yorker followed up on that and said to, uh, to, uh, uh, to Jerry Falwell uh, jr. What's up with that, those accusations of sexual assault by Giancarlo? And uh, he said, oh, we just, well, we made that up to try and get his book killed. And he said it on the record. So wow. once again, this is the kind of people you're dealing with here. Yeah. Right. And these are like, it's important that the public faces, these are Christian leaders. Christian, Liberty is supposed to be the farthest right wing school or conservative school. They have their like Liberty the way. They have a morality code that people have to adhere to. Like you're going to uh, some Mormon school or something. Right. So. Come on. I think yeah. we need to call a spade a shovel here right now and call Liberty <laughs> university. What I've thought since I went down there, uh, I had the, uh, in writing this book, I exhausted Giancarlo with this story, but I did my diligence by trying to report out everything I could. You know, everybody that's mentioned in this book, quote, friend or foe, was called for comment. You know, uh, uh, I went down to Liberty. I spoke with Jerry Falwell in advance of my going down there to Liberty University to stay for a week. Um, but, uh, you know, I... Uh, 
I, I don't like to, you know, mock or shame true believers of any faith. Uh, however, you know, I'll throw some stones at Scientology and most identifiable, dangerous, uh, uh, criminal or uh, otherwise mind control employing cults. I don't like that. Uh, this evangelicalism, uh, when it gets hardened into politics and and right wing nationalism, becomes very scary. And that and liberty in the last few years had become a bastion for that. Uh, you know, with a uh, you know a, 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 with it with this uh, Twitter pundit named Charlie. Uh, Kirk, Kirk, you know, right. going to uh, Liberty University and co-founding the Falkirk Center, you know, which is a, uh, a mashup of the name Falwell and Kirk. And it's supposed to be a think tank. Uh, you know, this is a kid who, to, in my, to my estimation, I don't even know if Charlie Kirk even finished ju junior college or community college. I don't think he has a, uh, a, a, you know, any degrees to his credit is now. What is he really doing? In my opinion, he's sucking on uh, Ginny Thomas's teat and organizing 80 buses on their route to uh, the Capitol on January 6th. This is the kind of thing that's happening at a political level at Liberty University. And at the same time, Jerry Falwell, and I will maintain this, was running a sex crime protection racket at that school and another scoop for you william the department of education is right now very deep into an investigation of liberty under the falwell administration and let's i'm speaking for myself here expect them to come down hard uh because the doe is tasked with you know looking for violations that put students in jeopardy under the Falwell administration there were 22 Jane Doe's who were victims of a sexual assault on campus I, I personally interviewed 12 of them and put them in conversation with Giancarlo because they were inspired believe it or not by Giancarlo not all of them a few of them were inspired by him you know uh coming out in this situation to the degree that he did in terms of self-disclosure. You can only imagine how hard it was for these victims who had already uh, been indoctrinated as champions for Christ and had signed purity codes, you know, that uh, if they claimed they were sexually assaulted, the school would find a way to turn it on them and make it look like uh, it was their fault. That's cult behavior that has no place into a religious university that is accepting up to almost a billion dollars a year in federal money to right. this day. They, that's what's at stake right now. You know, this. And, and when you said earlier that Jerry Falwell's a good businessman, hell yes, he was. He just, he, you know, he spotted, you know, or through his advisors spotted that, you know, having this little jewel of a campus uh, of 15,000 students in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, you know, is, you know, very picaresque and beautiful. And we have, uh, you know, a, a sports team that's generating money. But how do we get real money? Go online, copy what Phoenix U University does, you know, start a diploma mill. 
you know, does shades of Trump University here, except this had the imprimatur of the Falwells, and it became the second largest uh, online edu- uh, uh, educational uh, institution in the country. And that uh, amounted to, by the time uh, uh, Falwell was forced to resign, a $2 billion in, in, in endowment. And, you know, right, that's what a lot of that money is so coming arrogant. from student. It's coming from student loans. Right. So it's coming from the DOE through this to the endowment. So they had this they encouraged deliberately encouraged people to take out these student loans because they could go through school like that. Supposedly, oh, 100 percent. And you can see how that played out. What happened was with those Jane Doe's, and I don't want to give them short shrift, the women that were claiming sexual assault while students on campus, uh, and some of them were the most heartrending. And, and uh, I mean, one of them was gang raped on the campus. You know, the other was uh, uh, two more were assaulted by a dean at the university, to which when it was reported, to which I have evidence Jerry Falwell's attitude with the director of communications turned whistleblower, a guy named Scott Lamb, who said, Jerry, we got to do something. We got a dean that is becoming the Bill Cosby at Liberty University, drugging and raping these students. And Jerry's response was, well, we got him on half pay, right? You know, what? How is he still working there? You know, these are the questions that are being asked. Those 22 Jane Doe's, this is unfortunate, but you mentioned the student loans. Uh, these kids that go to Liberty, they're not, uh, you know, uh, Liberty's not a first choice college. Uh, for, it's you know, maybe it's just, not even a second or a third, to be honest with it's, you. But yeah. It's really, well, academically, it's ranked at the bottom because it really doesn't offer much in the way of a- academics. And I, I took the deep dive tour, you know, and it is more an indoctrination center as far as I can sign and see everywhere you go, the sign, it says Champions for Christ. I got not, no problem with that, but I do have a problem when it comes to these 22 Jane Doe's who filed a multi uh, plaintiff suit against Liberty. And uh, I'm going to tell you this because it's heartbreaking, but they ended up settling with, I believe, 21 of them. And whereas the amounts that they got, the money they got uh, is not disclosed. I'm happy to tell you, William, that they got between 15 and $30,000 each, mostly on the low end of that, you know, and it's nothing, but, but now put yourself, you're from, uh, you know, uh, some farm town in, in Indiana and you come to Liberty university and, uh, and you know, you go into debt on student loans, then that amount of money starts making sense. And if you can unshackle, yourself from the scene of your personal crime, your violation, you know, your rape, and you can do it with fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. I don't blame them at all for taking the money. Incidentally, one of them, the one who was gang raped, she held out. She's saying this is bullshit and I want millions and I don't blame her either. If they have a $2 billion endowment, they can afford a payout. They can afford a seven-figure payout. So I would, so oh, that's yeah, what I would, I would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no and they're making that money. 
And I've done a really good show with Michael Bennett for people who are listening. It's, it's the part two, uh, two masters, two gospels about the problem of following mammon or greed in these, particularly liberty, but a lot of like Christians who are much more um, financially motivated than you might think a lot of manipulation. Because that's what happens at the end of these schools, Mark, is they're done. They're in debt. They don't have a very good um, quality education that could get them in a, in a top paying job, but they get in, induced into doing this. So it happens in a lot of places, actually. There's a lot of kind of student loan abuses uh, like Phoenix, too. But uh, yeah. some places. That oh, you're yeah. Not kidding and, about. you know, it, it's just it's it, it's nothing short of a Ponzi scheme. Liberty University. I mean, come on. They, you know, uh, it's where else uh, when I did the tour, uh, I was uh, greeted by a uh, covid denying tour guide, you know, and this is in the, the like very beginning of the, the pandemic. I'm down there and, uh, you know, he says, first of all, uh, he says um, that I encourage you to ask questions, you know, uh, when you're on the tour. Well, we get on the bus. We're touring this beautiful campus. And I will agree. I've never seen, you know, a campus that has that is that stunning. I mean, the sports facilities alone are, you know, top notch. You know, they have a skiing snowplex on the mountain where it's built. It's very beautiful. They have a library. I don't know if anybody's encouraged to read there or not, but it's an excellent showpiece. But they're just, you know, most of the students were just seem to want to talk about apologetics and defending their faith and very little else. And the true academics that I spoke with who did time at Liberty University, the Karen Swallow Priors, the Mary Beth Baggett's, you know, these women, you know, didn't have a chance in the liberal arts arena that they didn't have. They didn't want it. Why would they put resources into that? You know, um, it's a mess all around. And uh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. There are real overlaps with kind of the Epstein saga, too like the abuse mm. and multiple people to me and the, the intimidation, like that's a whole nother part of the book we didn't get into. And I highly sure. recommend people check out this book, but they acted in ways I would not call standard Christian uh, turn the other cheek behavior. There's a lot of underground to intimidation and things that happen that I've seen happen in Washington, gang stalking and things. That oh are, yeah. Like, and hmm, and yeah. what, what is that, uh, that method of control where you, uh, you know, every, Gaslight. Uh, uh, yeah, Darvo, uh, d uh, deny, attack, reverse victim order, you know, and that's that's something that they're well honed to doing. You know, they're going to try and take a, a shot over the bow at Giancarlo. But I am really, really convinced that we managed to suck the platform out from under them. I mean, let's think about it in entertainment uh, terms. Uh there, the Gabriel Sherman, who wrote that uh, and published that irresponsible sexual assault uh, accusation from uh, Becky Fowell against Giancarlo, which was in short order denied by her own husband, uh, you know, who who wouldn't hesitate to throw her under the bus to uh, protect his own reputation. Um that was optioned by Lionsgate and, you know, they're a big uh, movie studio out of here in Hollywood. Now, for what reason? I don't know. Were they going to try and make a movie? Were they going to try and do an evangelical story loosely based on the Falwells? 
I don't know. But my suspicion is now that I, as I told you up front, there is uh, they're going all in on a documentary. I would bet dollars to donuts that Lionsgate realizes that, you know, um, you know, on the, you know, the strength and veracity of the book off the deep end uh, on the uh, coattails of Billy Corbin's excellent documentary, God forbid, that they don't have much wiggle room. So I bet you that is the producing entity behind this uh, documentary. I bet you they're trying to go the nonfiction route. And I'm happy to watch them fail miserably. I do know this, that Giancarlo and I are not shrinking violets in this situation. So you want to put me on a, on a split screen with Jerry Falwell? Any day of the week, I would relish that. Yeah, and I, I kind of get the feeling that he wasn't the only person. I mean, just my view is that this is not he's. There might be other cover-ups when they bring in like emergency, oh, come on. Uh, you know, public relations managers, trustees. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all in it together. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's like they're uh, it, it's kind of like not not really a cartel, but they're just a mob, you know, and it's uh, in the evangelical community. And what's interesting, if you watch what's happening uh He's not. We do talk about him in the book, but Jerry has a brother uh, 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 named Jonathan Falwell, who runs the mega church, which is physically adjacent, connected to Liberty University, called T Thomas Road Baptist Church, which is part of the Southern Baptist Conference, which is now uh, exploding in the same way the Catholic diocese did when. Uh, what was the spotlight uh, series on the diocese and the abuse of uh, young boys? This is what's happening throughout the Southern Baptist Conference right now. These uh, evangelical churches, I don't know, uh, you know how they're going to weather this, uh, but I certainly know that Liberty University and Thomas Road Baptist Church, by default, are not going to look, it's not going to look good for either one of them. Thomas, Jerry, uh, Jonathan Falwell, has now become the head of spiritual. Uh, he, he's the head, top spiritual dog at Liberty now. And many people are seeing him moving into the chancellorship when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, give it to that milk toast. You know what I'm saying? Jonathan Falwell is the, uh, is the Mike Pence of the, uh, uh, of the Falwell dynasty uh, such, such as it was. He's an embarrassment. You're a spiritual leader. You're the head of a church. I asked Jonathan Falwell if I ever sat down with him, the first thing out of my mouth in light of these Jane Doe's, in light of the culture of corruption that uh, came about under his own flesh and blood's administration at Liberty University, I would ask Jonathan Falwell, what would Jesus do, you fucking coward? You haven't said a damn thing. Not one word, and yet you're still passing the collection plate, aren't you, buddy? I mean, you know, I get rather heated t talking about the Falwells, but, you know, they're scam artists, so why wouldn't I? That's my bread and butter is exposing these people. Tom Arnold in the book called them grifters. So <laughs> he was right. I mean, you can read. There's a lot more in this book, guys. I highly recommend people check it out. This is a real true story, first-person account. Mark, what would you like to leave? Is there anything you'd like to add or how'd you like to wrap yeah, it up? Yeah, we'll find... Uh...
find Giancarlo. He's, uh, you know, uh, he took the time to take care of his mental health. He's back in action. You can find him on Instagram. Just play around with his number. I think it's uh, his name, G Granda on Instagram. Um, uh, he's around. Follow him. I got a placeholder website called www.hollywoodinterrupted.com. And to be honest, William, if any one of your listeners wants to reach me directly, I have no problem directly contacting me. I'm at Gmail, markebner59 at gmail.com. And uh, really, this has been a great chat, and I'm so honored that you took the time to read the book. You don't find that often, even in podcast situations these days, and I really appreciate it. And I wish you luck with your work. And if you can keep, if you can join me in my uh, boycott of uh, uh, Barnes & Noble, Sure. Being like, you know, the main brick and mortar outlet for books, they screwed up uh, with uh, uh, off the deep end. When the book came out, it was just throughout Barnes and Noble. They put it in Christian living, the religion section of uh, all their stores. And this really bothers me because that is the last place, as you well know, right. anybody would come to pick to buy this book. Um I investigated my uh, my uh, my publisher didn't like me doing that, looking into it. They're saying, don't ask questions. I say, that's my job to ask questions. And I took it to the top of Barnes and Noble. And I was like, because uh, uh, HarperCollins passed the buck. They don't have the sway in terms of book placement that they used to have in publishing. You know, big publishers could, you know, make a. Uh, a payment and rack job a book to the front of the store. What happened was ours was systematically buried in the least likely pace place for readers to find it. This isn't a conspiracy theory. I called all the major Barnes and Nobles, asked them where the book was placed. Same place. Harper Collins said uh, that um, what happened was the the guy who took over uh, Barnes and Noble in 2019, I think a guy named David something or other, he granted all his managers autonomy to give it kind of an indie feel and uh, uh, let them make the decision where books were placed. How was it that no one saw fit to put this up in new releases? Current events at the very least, right? right? right. It's True events. crime. It was weird. And, you know, so I'm leaving this, you know, I, you know, once again, it's like I started with a few sour grapes about publishing and I'll end it the same way. You know, uh, there's got to be a better way, you know, if you can't market a book like this the way it should be. And I appreciate you for giving it, you know, giving it some airtime. Watch for other shows that are going to be referring back to it uh, in the near future, you know, at the let's just say up at the dateline 60 minutes type level. So we're looking forward to it. It's a very important story and it happens in the hypocrisy. It's not, you know, specific to evangelicals by any sense of the stretch of the imagination. So, but it is, I think it's really the power dynamic for me is really one of the important themes in this book is like the kids 20 years old. So it's really ugly. So it's unfortunate, but I appreciate you spending your time telling the story. I'm glad you wrote the book. Again, author is Mark Ebner, E-B-N-E-R. Title of the book is Off the Deep End, Jerry and Becky Falwell and the Collapse of an Evangelical Dynasty, just published and co-wrote with 
Giancarlo Granda, G-R-A-N-D-A. And I will put the links to Ebner's uh, contacts in the show notes. So thank you very much for listening.